Be an inspiration. Radio Wave Lifestyle. We've done several Radio Wave Lifestyle interviews about healthy topics, things like exercise, eating well, etc. But today we're going to be speaking about the lifestyles of some of our closest companions. Because, I mean, while it's certainly important to look after our own health, it's just as important to look after the health and well-being of our pets. To help me with the topic, I have well-known Vintuk vet, Dr. Ian Baines. Good morning, Dr. Baines. Morning, David. Good to be here. First off, I mean, it probably seems silly to even ask it, but why is it our responsibility to look after the health of our our pets well our pets our pets are certainly part of our own well-being you know they're part of our family and our pets health certainly affects our own health and this is not purely my opinion a lot of work has been done on the, the psychological benefits to us of having happy healthy pets in the household so sure that's part of the reason why why we have this responsibility but also the fact that Namibia has a law in place the Animal Protection Act which clearly states that it is the responsibility of the the animal owner, owner, and not only pets, but also horses, donkeys, livestock, etc., to provide the animals with, with food, water, reasonable shelter and care. It's a wide-ranging topic, obviously, but at its most basic, what does it take to keep your pet healthy? Well, it takes, it takes, as I've said, reasonable feeding and water and shelter and then reasonable attention and, and care of that animal. They can't just be left into the, to the backyard and to their own devices and they're part of the family, yeah. as I've said. I think we're going to probably spend most of the interview, if we're focusing on pets, talking about dogs. You know, cats just seem to be a little bit easier or, or more self-sufficient, should we say. But, but let's touch on the, on the exercise part. How do you know how much exercise your dog needs? Well, that, that varies very much between breeds and as well as between individual animals. Consider our working breeds, the overactive bordering on obsessive compulsive really need substantially more exercise than our toy breeds. The owners of our huskies, border collies, German shorthead pointers and such will tell you how they can't keep up with their dogs. Whereas the miniature pinchers, Pomeranians, Pekingesers and Shih Tzus, their job is to be a lap dog and to look good around the house. So what I'm saying is that exercise should be matched to your dog's ability and requirements. There's sometimes a bit of a misconception though. I mean, breeds like Dachshunds, I mean, they were bred as hunting dogs. So a lot of people, I think, see, see them as, as lap dogs. I've got one though who loves nothing more than going on epic mile-long hikes. Yeah, Dachshunds are one of our, they slot into the hyperactive group. They're certainly working dogs. They were bred as hunters and ratters. You can try and make him a lap dog, but um, Dutchman's certainly one of our high metabolic rate, uh. hyper energetic dogs. Does it have to be taking the dog out for a walk and getting out of their familiar surroundings or can it just be throwing a ball to them in the garden or, you know, just rolling around with them playing on the lawn? Yeah, any, any form of exercise is beneficial. And as I've said, just match it to the dog's ability. What I can say is that the, the added benefit of taking your dog for, call it, out walks, is to expose them and socialize them to other areas, other dogs, other people. And it obviously has the benefit for you as well because sure. you're out and walking. For sure. <laughs> obviously, just, just like with humans, uh, I mean, exercise is only one part of the equation. Diet's important as well. But I know a lot of people worry about that and they think, now, if I get a pet, do I have to buy these super expensive brands mm. of dog food? Food or is the supermarket kibble good enough? Now, I'm really glad you mentioned that, you know, dogs definitely need a balance between
between between intake and output, diet and exercise. Yeah, difficult situation, but I don't think I, I should use this platform to market the super expensive <laughs> ranges. But like most commodities, you know, you, you get what you pay for. What I can comment on is, is how helpful it has been as a veterinarian in practice since the arrival of these call it high quality rather than expensive dog foods. In small animal practice, and this is worldwide, the two most common ailments we deal with are are skin conditions and gastrointestinal disorders. And many of the causes of these disorders can be traced back to diet. We, We certainly see a significant reduction of these conditions in animals fed a quality diet. And note I say quality again, not expensive, because one must one must bear in mind and know that the companies that have produced these feeds have put in years and years of research at vast expense to make our lives easier and the lives of our pets healthier through these foods. How do you navigate all the different options when it comes to these sort of higher end foods? There are very, very many different choices yeah. available. The, the other day, in fact, I even saw a vegetarian dog food. Yeah, that's the latest, greatest. <laughs> you know, um, Like our food, we're looking for, for um, uh, what do they call it, homegrown organic foods, and they've started a range of dog foods for that. Everything has its place, but sure, okay, working out what food to use, there's so many different foods, as you say, and the marketing of those foods are done very cleverly. That one looks cheaper than the other. But what one's got to do is work out on the back of that bag the requirements to feed your dog per day and the cost per day. Because sometimes a feed would look cheaper, but if you work it out on having to feed so much more, the cost per day to feed a dog of any certain size actually works out more. And on the different ranges, what I must mention is the really important phase of our pets' lives, and that's the first 12 to 18 months when they're growing. And it's really worthwhile investing a bit on a good puppy growth diet in those early years to avoid a lot of bone problems and growth problems later on in their life. I've mentioned the the vegetarian option that's that's there as food, but there's also the wet food versus dry food debate. Some people only give their dogs kibble and maybe wet food as a treat Uh, there are those who who give wet food at least twice a day with the kibble available as well which is right or is there a right there is a right (laughs) but it's quite controversial there's certainly advantages of wet food in that it's more palatable or tasty and animals will far rather eat a wet food but the downside is that it's been proven that wet food is also one of the, the factors contributing to what we call periodontal disease and that's inflamed, smelly, infected gums, um, which advances to loosening of teeth. And once the teeth are loose, loose, it becomes a site of infection for the rest of the body. You know, it sounds horrific, but the people with these sort of um, dogs and struggling with the, these problems know what I'm talking about. Whereas the, the dry kibble is designed to, to scarify the tooth as they chew it and avoid plaque deposition, which starts off this whole thing and thereby maintains oral health. And then again, some people claim that dogs have a primal need to crunch and chew their food this might be so i'm not sure <laughs> and then that that also then leads in i suppose to the the bones versus yeah. rawhide type debate yeah now the debate rawhide does clean the teeth well they chew well sure we sit with a lot of problems in the vet practice as a result of feeding bones and everyone will tell you oh we fed our dog bones for years and my father <laughs> fed his dog bones and my but but sure bones do create a lot of problems and and to try to explain to people that their dog needs surgery to remove a bone at vast expense, you know, for the cost of just 
I mentioned the word treat when talking about the wet food and, and obviously there the raw hide can be given as a treat. There, there are numerous options available in the shops these days as well as far as dog specific and cat specific treats go. But why is it important for people to understand that animals actually need treats specifically made for them, not human treats, not your leftovers. Don't give them a bit of your sandwich or a piece of your cake. Or... Sure, sure. Yeah, well treats are, are only between meal snacks made of the same food as their normal diet, you know, where which is great, but uh, let me rather dwell on what you mentioned there, and that, that is the danger of human treats and table leftovers. The sing single biggest cause of problems in older dogs is obesity or overweight, and the single, single biggest enemy of overweight is human snacks, <laughs> our brewers and bultong, you know, while watching the rugby, and table leftovers. Obesity and osteoarthritis go hand in hand, uh, you know, and, um, and are severely debilitating and expensive when we have to manage these older arthritic dogs. And it's so, so avoidable if we discipline ourselves to sticking to feeding our pets only the recommended amount of a good quality food. Now, I think I saw the last time I was at the practice with, with my dogs, there was a poster on the wall and it was quite eye-opening, just showing the sort of different calorific content and what mm. it does, you know, something like a, a Vienna mm. to a human isn't really much, but a Vienna to a dog was the equivalent of something like an entire pack yeah. of Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what you're paying for in these expensive dog foods. It's been honestly scientifically worked out and researched exactly to the dog's requirements. And there's a there's a fancy English word called anthropomorphism. And this is where we attribute our human characteristics and behavior onto our animals. And we think our animals need a variety of food and, you know, the odd snack and whatever. And it's not true. The best you can do for your dog is feed him a high-quality diet that he can eat day in and day out and you've done the best for him. We're talking about foods that are specifically designed and engineered for, for dogs and for, for cats or even for farm animals but there are certain types of food that humans eat that can actually be potentially hazardous to animals. Definitely, definitely. The classical one is dogs eating the leftover onion stew, you know. Onions highly toxic to dogs and included in that is, is, is I'll mention garlic because a lot of people use garlic as a method of tick control they yeah. feed their dogs. But an excess is amount of garlic or normal onion they contain a chemical that damage the red blood cells other classical things are, are avocado pears cause vomiting and diarrhea in dogs grapes and raisins is a typical one they've been associated with causing acute kidney failure sometimes everyone will tell you about chocolate mm. certainly there's a chemical in chocolate that is toxic to dogs same chemical is in coffee and, and any caffeine containing products and now a lot of people are using xylitol as an artificial sweetener that causes an insulin spike in dogs which concurrently drops their blood sugar to rock bottom so so certainly good for humans not so good for dogs <laughs> now when it comes to vets do you only take your animal there when they're ill or should you like most of us adults don't actually do either i suppose be scheduling regular checkups for them yeah you're right it, it's very difficult to go to the doctor when one's not ill but what we do is we use the opportunity when your pet needs his or her annual vaccination and then we perform a full detail detailed clinical examination and it's surprising how much we pick up during these visits you know and people don't realize but old age in, in our dogs actually starts at seven when we think they're in their prime and when we're talking about kidney health and liver health and whatever old age is starting at seven and, and for that we have a, a sort of blood chemistry profile a blood test that we can screen and pick up early kidney disease because by the time we see symptoms of these in our 10 11 12 year old dogs heart disease kidney disease 
liver disease, it's often too late to do anything except try and manage and control the condition. Whereas if it's picked up earlier, there's quite a lot we can do. So certainly, a lot we can pick up by routine health checks. Um, there's a lot of controversy about annual vaccination now. We're looking into that now as to whether it's not too much and whether every two or three years is all right. But still, then we have to somehow recommend people to come for an annual mm. health check. Something as, similar, as simple as, uh, as dental health that I mentioned earlier, people think it's just a smelly breath. But as I said, it's a source of infection to the rest of the body and one of the most incriminating factors in, in kidney disease. Lastly, I'd, I mean, I'd like to touch on something. It's probably more my personal opinion than a question and maybe not even really health and well-being related. But why should should people have their pets sterilized and, and is there any truth in the idea that a female dog or cat has to have at least one pregnancy to be healthy? Okay, Gee, big topic. <laughs> how, how long have we got? So certainly, first of all, your dog does not need to have a litter. That, that's a fact. It's an old wives tale. It's highly recommended to have your pet, as long as it's a pet, sterilized. In the male animals that are castrated, it almost negates any later prostate problems in those animals. It prevents them from wandering around and getting into fights and, you know, showing off their masculinity to the girls. So a lot of injured animals that end up at the vet um, are as a result of of these hormones um, so certainly castrate your dogs your male dogs stop him wandering around they get into less fights they will not lose aggression or lose their protectivity over your household when we get to the females they come on heat every six months very often owners are having to deal with unwanted pregnancies and and puppies that they can't rehome and then unfortunately it becomes the problem of our, our overfull animal shelters you know you have to struggle with with other people's problems also the more times a bitch has been on heat the more prone she is to mammary cancer and breast cancer and each time she's on heat that incidence becomes more if they space before their first heat, the incidence is pretty much zero. So definitely, you said not a health or, or well-being related, but it is very much. <laughs> Apart from that, in the females, the other consideration, of course, is the risk of sexually transmitted diseases yeah, that dogs also get, and, and other infections of the reproductive tract that come after they've been on heat. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Baines. Okay, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me.